welcome to Architecture Talk Tang. I am Sara Colada, an architect and organizer of the Disrupt Symposium, the first of its kind business of architecture event, bringing to stage major architecture practices to cover topics related to entrepreneurship and practice operations within the AEC industry. I am an architecture business development consultant and my goal is to raise the financial well-being of architects through effortless business growth. Each podcast episode features an expert or thought leader from the AEC industry who shares their journey, challenges and advice. Now, let's dive into this episode and welcome our guest for an exclusive interview. This is Sarah Colato of Architecture Talk Tang, and today we've got Matthew Bird. And guys, I'm super, super excited because we're going to talk about a topic that is extremely close to my heart, which is digital entrepreneurship in the AAC industry. And Matthew is a person of many skills and interests, and he is a digital entrepreneur, and he's providing tremendous value for our industry, for architects, engineers and construction people with a lot of different tools and a lot of different things that he's doing. So I'm super excited, Matthew, to, for you to join me on this podcast today and for us to have a little conversation about your life and how did you come about to serving the world the way you do. So thank you so much for joining. Of course. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here and catch up with you. It's been a while in the making. Absolutely. Yes. I'm really glad that it's finally happening and also very excited again i'm just gonna brag about it but finally been given a permit to stream live to linkedin awesome community of fourteen thousand. i know you also have grew a big community on linkedin so it's definitely a huge step for me to be able to do that and excited so thank you so much guys for watching and tuning in and let's talk a little bit about you matthew you do so many things I don't even know where to start. So perhaps the best <laughs> thing would be if you just tell us how this whole thing came about. I understand you're a designer yourself, but right now you're doing so many interesting things and I could mention them, but I think I'll leave them to you and tell us a little bit like what's led you to transition into working digitally and working and being an entrepreneur, like providing value in all these different moving from design service providing into the interesting things you're doing now. Yeah, no, that sounds good. And like you said, I think we have a lot of a lot of similarities in line of business and just even in the podcasting. And so I'll try to give you the short story. Could spend a while on it. So if I get off, just pull me back. It's okay, we've the, got time. <laughs> yeah, the story of how my journey started. I grew up in a house with a father as a land surveyor. And that was what led to my initial, you know, steps into the geospatial industry. Before that, I was really into sports, really into music. But when I actually got into the work life, I found myself defaultly into the survey world since that's what my dad did. And it was a, you know, an easy job for me to just get into when I was young. So I started out as many surveyors do on a field crew out pounding nails and putting stakes 
on different job sites and found my way getting into the office into AutoCAD and learning drafting. And it was about 2010 or so that we had somebody introduce us to 3D laser scan. And that was, you know, it was the first cool 3D technology that I had really seen enter into the geospatial world. We were used to using, you know, the normal GPS, total stations and things. But when we saw laser scanning for the first time, it was really something as a younger person that was, you know, into technology, seeing this 3D laser scanner enter into the geospatial, into the survey world, and how we could mix the two of those was really exciting to me. And I got put in charge at the company that I was at, at the time to look into these new technologies and how could we integrate them into our services and how can they actually help with mapping that we were doing. You know, before laser scanning, it was really difficult to go out and capture as built information of complex sites like oil and gas facilities, you know, and surveyors are out in the middle of the road all the time. So there's dangerous environments and the way these new technologies came in and started helping supplement some of the videos was very useful to us as a business. And for me, it was really a fun technology as well. These 3D laser scanners really map and bring back a full digital copy of whatever site that we were scanning. So it was almost turning a real world environment into, you know, a video game, into a gamification. It was a digital copy of it and you could fly through the, you know, facility and you could go in and look at different pieces. And so it was really a mix of the innovation and the technology where they were exciting, they were fun, but they were also very valuable, very useful informations that were being, being brought back in. So when we learned about these technologies, my really my career path just completely changed from traditional land surveying and just focusing on that, which is still very important to now this digital piece that we started finding applications for it that were outside of the work we normally, do. you know, the things that we could capture for forensic use cases or for construction defect pros projects and then the oil and gas facilities, the technology really started opening new doors for the pursuits that we were, you know, looking at for the business. And so that really is what changed my path to focusing on what is now reality capture technology, which really on the high level of that term is just using technologies to bring back physical assets or projects or environments into the digital space. And we've just seen a big need for those. As I started really getting excited about these technologies and integrating them in business, it is what kind of opened my eye to entrepreneurship. You know, as I really started applying myself and growing a division and growing the uses of these technologies, I found myself wanting to push and wanting to drive and wanting to do more than the business that I was at would really allow me to do. And so I ended up getting hired, you know, and made a couple of transitions to some bigger companies. And even as I went through a couple different companies and found myself in a management position at a large corporation, I still felt that foothold because there's just a, there's a lot inside of big corporations that sometimes it's hard to drive 
new technology as fast as sometimes those that have the entrepreneur spirit in them want to move really quickly and want to try out new technologies and they want to, you know, buy new technology that come out. And so I made that decision to leave my job and start my own business. And that was in 2016 or so. So as soon as I made that jump, I had no idea what I was doing, but I found that I knew the technology piece. I knew the actual service. And I found that one thing I did very well was networking and building relationships and treating clients well. And so I was fairly confident that if I was to leave and start a business, I would find work and be able to start growing that. And I didn't, but I didn't know anything about actually building a business. I had no business experience. I had no funding, anything like that. So it was definitely an interesting journey, but it's been, you know, over just over five years now and we've grown quite a bit and we do, we do the whole actual traditional land surveying as well now in California in the States. And then the technology piece, our focus, you know, sometimes people are focused on a specific industry, you know, they'll utilize laser scanning for mechanical engineering and oil and gas facilities, or they'll use laser scanning and digital modeling for architecture. You know, the focus that we have when it comes to these technologies is we're trying to be a support to all of those industries. We've found the value of using laser scanning, doing 3D mapping, using UAV and drones for mapping, creating 3D models so that engineers, designers, architects, you know, mechanical engineers, forensic documentation, all of these different industries that can use these technologies. So our goal is, has been to push and figure out how to utilize them, what deliverables to create, and really support the growth of these technologies through all the industries as opposed to a, just a specific industry. So I guess that's the part of the short story of getting into these technologies and, and that drive that I have has continued. And that's what made me decide to start a podcast last year and start pushing the growth of the community and the education piece. You know, when it comes to new technologies, there's a lot of hesitation and a lot of people are slow to adopt and there's just not a lot of actual education going on. We've tried to take it a step further where a lot of service providers are afraid of competition. A lot of people are, they're not open to sharing secrets. They, you know, we take the opposite approach of there's a big need for these new technologies. There's a lack of education. There's a lack of personnel using them. So our next goal has been to start spreading the awareness of the different technologies available, how to use them properly, what types to be used for your projects. So on top of doing the service, now we try to educate other people on why it's important to use it. If they want to do it themselves, trying to educate on it and then just being a support as they move forward in it. I think what it like really strikes me about your story is how it all originated from your father, who certainly was doing everything manually in a very traditional way. And then this sort of technological boom comes with your generation. I'm guessing it must have been, you know, maybe not hard, but certainly changing to adjust the way of work within the office to start with from manual to digital. And, you know, there is definitely, and like you said yourself, like, 
great passion driving this whole topic of digitalization. I think that as younger generations, we're also more as perceptive towards that change and that advancement. But I think that within the traditional sort of system of architecture, engineering, construction, sometimes adapting to new technologies is quite hard. And so I wanted to backtrack a little bit to that time and ask you about the challenges and perhaps how you overcome them when it came to adjusting from the manual traditional way of doing land survey, actually starting to use these tools. If we could just narrow it down maybe to three biggest challenges and how and what lessons learned that you could share with the audience. Yeah. You know, I think in general, there's definitely hesitation to new technologies and, you know, when it came to adopting it internally, and it's still something that we see being a struggle now, even as we've had, you know, employees that we've hired, we've had people that have had a hard time coming into these new technologies because they've been so used to seeing things done a certain way. So when we first started doing laser scanning and again there's certain portions of surveying it's it doesn't replace it it's more like an additional tool that can be used there's some flow and processes that change as opposed to some of the traditional but you know i think one of the processes that we've gone through in order for it to be accepted really just making sure we take the time to use the technology through a process and you know show the full process how we go out and capture the site, and then how we bring that data in and create the deliverable. And, we, and as we showcase that to people who are used to doing it in a certain way, they can see the flow change. You know, and just in general, as a business, we've talked about the fact that so many people are afraid of technologies replacing their job. Or, you know, like we talk about drones, there's the ability to go out and map an entire area quickly. We've, you know, robotic total stations have made it easier for a survey crew. Sometimes one guy can go out instead of two. We've really tried to just focus on the fact that these technologies are just tools and they're not replacing people. You, usually the hesitation is people are, are afraid of, hey, this technology is going to make the job so fast and so easy they won't need my expertise anymore. But really the value in these technologies are the personnel that have the experience being mixed with the technologies. You know, I don't think, I don't think any of these technologies are going to replace people. And honestly, the other difficulty is a lot of businesses, there are some businesses that still don't, you know, look at adopting new technologies, but what you end up seeing is other businesses adopt it and they do become more efficient and more cost effective and their deliverables are more innovative and the businesses that are slow to adopt then really can't compete. If you want to talk about the competition, they can't compete with the time and cost of those companies that do take new technologies. You know, I think it's really just about understanding the uses of them and how to apply them properly. And then you just have to work through that process. But, you know, it's a difficult one. Yeah, absolutely. Architecture Talk Tank is sponsored by the good people at Integrated Projects, a team of architects and technologists focused on the digitalization of the built environment. Did you know that there are more existing buildings in this world than websites? Yet only 0.0001% have been digitized. In response to this, the Integrated Projects team launched BIMIT, 
to digitize any space imaginable. Offices, homes, mechanical spaces, you name it. Now any architect, engineers or reality capture specialists can convert their 3D scan into LOD 200 BIM just in hours, not weeks or months. Why does this matter? Well, now we can accurately view, verify and quantify the spaces that we design, build and operate. To learn more about BIMIT, visit www.integrated-projects.com forward slash Sarah Colada. And, uh, and I think, you know, you mentioned as well about the beginning struggle of starting a business and things like that. And since this sort of inspiration came from digitalization, we also move into more and more so into like digital business models as well. And I think that you certainly mentioned that so far that you adapted certain strategies to adapt to that as well. Community building through creating, you know, podcasts and value and education. Also touching on the topic of generally educating the community through a library or a membership site mm -hmm. who can access all the training. Um, you mentioned why, but tell me a little bit more about adapting these strategies into the business alone, because this is really almost like a business version of digital transformation within, you know, yeah. within the AAC industry. And those are the direct applications of how we can now do business differently. And these stand for certain, perhaps new ways of doing things as well as architects, as people that generally are taught to provide design a service. We're moving now into other categories and shape-shifting a little bit frankly, in order to grow the business. So tell me a little bit about that experience. Yeah, which it's very broad and diverse and that could yeah. go a hundred directions. But yeah, you know, something that I noticed in myself over the last few years is as I started getting into entrepreneurship and just as I took the dive into building my own business, it really opened my eyes into entrepreneurship as a whole and the marketing side and social media and branding and all of the digital aspect as I started just researching and learning and following others. And I found that especially the AEC industry, you know, in, in construction, engineering, architecture, surveying businesses, people don't really even follow that outside world of digital marketing and entrepreneurship and sales and, you know, all of these, there, there are many major people that have, you know, millions of followers educating on how to use these platforms. And the majority of the time I, I ask people in our industry, like, Hey, have you ever heard of, and I'll name, you know, 10 of the major follow people that I follow. And they're like, no, who's that? And it really started to show me that most people just don't even really understand how we could utilize these platforms in order to grow our business. Even in, you know, starting a podcast. When I thought about starting a podcast, most people that I talk to are like, you know, how is that going to help you? What, why would you take your time to start a podcast and just talk with people and share that? How is that going to help you grow your business? Why are you not instead focusing on going out and doing a presentation or something. 
So as I started seeing some of the hesitation from other people, even within my own company, when I st started the podcast, people were hesitant in it. And there, there were questions, for, you know, people that didn't see that vision and the use for it. But it all comes down to when I think about the podcast or webinars or online communities, you know, if you want to grow a business, people can't buy from you or utilize you or work with you if they don't see you or if they don't know who you are or if you don't stay in front of them. You know, the podcast is one of those things that we give away information. We're educating people. We're telling them how we built our business, how we built our brand, why we use whatever it is we use. We're telling them everything about how we grow a business. But the value in the podcast is that we're helping educate far more people than maybe the one or two or amount of people that would be considered a competitor of ours. We're really helping educate masses that really don't have anywhere else to get this information from. A lot of people aren't out searching for and just listening and, you know, doing their own research. So the more that we can create educational material on forms that our audiences are on, such as LinkedIn, it's a great platform where, you know, I honestly grew my biggest following and going to conferences and really gathering all of the community that I wanted to be a part of and bring them together into, you know, my own network to then be able to create the digital information and put it in front of, you know, I think there's a lot of value there that many people don't see. So I, you know, I think that's probably why, why I started down that path of making sure I'm staying in front of people on all the digital platforms. And I think that the biggest value in all of it is to leading with expertise, because again, going back to our industry, we are very much taught that our value is in an ability to problem solve through design. And so we always apply our skills proactively, creatively generating plans, sections, elevations, scans, you know, models, but basically in order to be able to do that job well, it's this whole experience that backs it up. And I think yeah. that you know, it's certainly a way to elevate your business by positioning yourself as a thought leader in your industry and saying, hey, I'm going to reach out to people and educate and talk about general problems and help solve those problems within the community, empower, inspire, whatever that is. And, and that really then, it really creates such a strong value proposition for your business and then generally can grow to many more things. And one of which I'm sure is your conference as well. So perhaps let's talk a little bit about that. I can see that as a natural development from creating educational material and webinars and podcasts and have a community to then nice happening where people can come together and share network and exchange maybe, you know, a higher standard expertise or maybe even future looking ideas and shift yeah. the industry, right? This is really what these events are you know, this is where the value is. So tell me a little bit about the conference. Yeah. So yeah, this last October, we put on our first conference, you know, our podcast is reality capture network. And when I, when we started that and I came up with the idea of the name, it, the reason I put network in there, so it's reality capture network is because when I very first started it, even though the initial focus was a podcast, I knew that ultimately we wanted to build it into a community 
and that we were going to do more with it. And, you know, when you start something new, you start a business, you're on that journey. Sometimes it's not all ironed out up front. You know, I didn't know what all we were going to do with it, but I knew it was going to be more than just the podcast. That's why we named network in there. So the idea is we do want to build that community where people can communicate together. They can learn together. They can collaborate with each other. You know, we work with and support projects to a lot of people that are in our community, even to people that most people would consider a competitor of ours because we are just so open and honest and sharing. And, you know, we aren't the people that are going out trying to steal everybody's clients or or backstab people. We're very just genuine in the fact that, hey, if you want our support, we'll help you. If you don't, that's okay. If you want to do it yourself, it's created the atmosphere that even our competitors come to us to work with them. So as we started the podcast, we started the education and the discussions. We then did, like you said, it seemed like a natural fit. Hey, especially right now, there was a lot of major conferences that were put off and nobody was getting together in person. and we felt like it was a good time to do things were open here around us so we decided okay let's try this out and see what happens we'll put on our first in-person conference and invite people from our community to come and we had a, a overwhelming response we had a couple hundred people together for this first event we had about 25 speakers and panelists from all around the country different we actually had people from four countries so It was very surprising and just an exciting time as well. And it's a big part of what we plan to continue do as we move forward is, you know, create the in-person experiences as well as the digital. You know, for example, we recorded and filmed all of the presentations and panels from our first conference, and we then made them available to watch in our education center on the Reality Capture Network website. So people that couldn't go in person, they can still go and watch the presentations and it'll be a chance for them to hear, you know, what each of these construction and architecture and surveying and laser scanning companies had to to showcase as far as the technology itself and use cases for projects. So our goal is to continue that. We want to gather digital information into the education center and continue to host the in-person. As much as I love virtual meetings, and podcasting and webinars, the gathering in person to me is like, it, it, you can't replace it. You know, when you get on a, a Zoom call or a web meeting, you're on it for half an hour or a couple hours or a virtual conference, but getting to spend like a couple days together and just sit and talk. And to me, especially building a business, that has been one of the most valuable things is relationship building. So really love the conference as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, what a way to elevate your business, really, because if you think about it, providing value to your customers, it's one, but it's always about communication. You have to get the feedback, understanding what problems actually bring the customers to you in the first place. And a lot, one way to recognize that is to do your, you know, general sales and approach your customers and work with the people that will hire you and resonate with you, et cetera. But I think through these kind of events, you get to also recognize other problems, perhaps of people that would not be the most immediate decision makers of, you know, your most immediate action taking customers ready to buy your product, but understand also 
community of people that is lingering around a buying decision that perhaps is not yet ready to purchase from you, but wants to learn, wants to develop and grow to that place where they can afford your services or want to maybe do something similar to what your business does, whatever that is. Yeah. So I think by providing that value, by coaching, training, creating a platform for other people also to come and share, it's almost elevating the industry to the next level. It's really thinking about the future. Where are mm -hmm. we going together? And actually starting conversations of problems that go deeper and beyond the immediate way in which you can serve your customers and the immediate service that your business provides. Yeah. Um, you know, following that sort of thought of the future, I wanted to also talk to you about your plans for the future, because when we were landing the topic for this podcast, you suggested a lot of different things that you're passionate about. And obviously now we can see where it all comes from. And I think this is also why I decided to go a little bit more general and talk about digital entrepreneurship. Because I think what would be very valuable for my viewers and the community as well to see this natural development and ways of progression of business. This episode of Architecture Talk Tank is brought to you by the MGS Global Group, a team that provides on-demand CAD and BIM drafting, as well as renderings for architecture firms. In today's environment, with everyone experiencing a surge in projects and staffing challenges, MGS Global can deliver your drawings on time and within your budget. So why work with MGS Global? Their customer service is exceptional and they provide quality for value. They have completed over 5,000 projects worldwide, a testament to their work. Now you can focus on design and let MGS do the rest. Check them out at www.mgsglobalgroup.com guys you know from physical from traditional way of providing this to moving through all these different spectrum of digital tools and transformation all the way to growing community providing value education and then what's the future for you matthew good question you know i'm sure that will keep morphing and changing as things go you know i've really allowed that to be the way i operate you know i do have goals and plans and things, but at the same time, I continue to try to educate myself and learn. And as I continue to learn, it, it makes me think of new ways that we can apply. For instance, the conference, you know, two years ago, I didn't know for sure that we would have our own conference. Yet this last year, we decided, okay, I really think this is a good idea. We should try putting this on. And now that we did it the first time and it went really well, and our community is building. Now that's actually a big focus moving forward is we're going to have this as an annual conference every year. But two years ago, I didn't. So I myself want to continue to learn and educate and use all of the things that I learned to morph the decisions I make moving forward. But right now, our focus is really still around the services of reality capture and specifically, you know, using laser scanning to capture sites. And then one struggle that a lot of companies have is after they get the data from laser scanning or drones, any of that LIDAR data, the point clouds, how do they turn that into something that they can use for their business? Even we've been doing that for a long time. And to, to me, it seems simple. A lot of people ask me like, what's the big future thing? 
I still say it's those simple things because the market has still barely adopted those. Yet we're starting to see them be requirements on airport projects and military projects and every construction job, you know, as we move forward in the next few years, every project is going to have some portion of laser scanning and point cloud use and scan to BIM and all of these services. And there's not enough providers to actually support that work. So there's a huge opportunity with the laser scanning and the modeling and all and the analysis of the point cloud data that that's my initial that's still our initial focus is actually servicing those because there's so much work for it as and then starting to educate and train others on how to use those technologies within the different industries whether it's mechanical engineering and oil and gas or architecture for facades or fabrication so it's it is still the application of those and then on the kind of overall community building side, you know, it's been hard to start and build a podcast. And, you know, when we first started, we were pretty consistent with recording and guests. And last year, you know, resources were just too thin. We were busy with all of our actual services business that some of the podcast and webinars and things slowed down or got on hold. So for the immediate future for me and for us is just being consistent in the podcasting, in the educating and the training materials into the education center. So those are really still the main focuses for us as a business. But I know you also mentioned, we threw around a couple things like talking about the metaverse, you know, and the digital world that people are talking about in the future. So I don't know if you want to dive into that a little bit or. Sure, let's do it. (laughs) Like a quick one, but. I wanted to to touch on that because they were kind of lingering on this edge of yet another thing exploding and this metaverse topic, you know, it really just emerged this year more and more, but the general public and I guess our community in general is a little bit still behind or maybe doesn't really quite know how to bite into it. You know, none of us really has experience in this. We all experimenting and trying it out and seeing where this can go. And it requires yet another level of awareness and thinking, open-mindedness. And I think what's really interesting, I guess this is also why I asked you from the very beginning about that progression from like traditional to digital to then, you know, building a community and a digital business to then growing it into education. And now this looking into, you know, potentially developing digital twins and virtual worlds that that are you know yet another level of progression yeah. <laughs> but i think what's interesting is just to see like the sort of the journey for everyone who, who listens to it the journey of what it takes to grow into this and how much potential there is and how that elevates your business and your name and opens possibilities as well so let's talk a little bit about your plans for the metaverse and how you see it and you know what how you see your business also applicable within that new realm. Mm, yeah. yeah I, I can't say I have some big game plan as far as how the metaverse yeah. is going to work for us. But, you know, it, on the immediate response to it is we are the people helping build the metaverse. You know, in, when you talk about the metaverse, it's really... And I think you might get a hundred different answers if you asked a hundred people what the metaverse is. To to me, it is the digital world. You know, 
you, if you go on and look at videos and stuff, really the idea being pushed about the metaverse is that in the future, you will be able to wear virtual reality and walk through different businesses or communities and interact digitally. And again, who knows what all that will look like, but it all starts with building digital worlds, building digital twins, building because the idea is that the metaverse is copies of real environments and real interactions. So you hear the digital twin being pushed a lot and there's different uses for creating digital twins. There's different levels of digital twins, whether it's just a, a model people can walk through or it has facilities information tied to it. I think that world gets very complex, but on the simple side, you know, businesses are starting to see the need to have a digital copy of their physical assets. The idea of, you know, Facebook and, and, you know, announcing and merging and calling it meta and really putting a push on metaverse now, I think is going to launch a lot of that faster. But we've already seen for the last few years, businesses starting to create those digital twins and digital copies for, I'll use oil and gas facilities as an example. Not a lot of people work, understand the complexities of oil and gas facilities, but there are tens of thousands of these facilities that are just really big. They're full of complex equipment. They're very dangerous. They have dangerous gases. They can, you know, there's hazards, there's risks of potential leaks of gases or you know, just in general, they're not the most safe in environment. People want to reduce the amount of time to spend in these facilities. They don't want to have to keep having people travel from all around the world to go to that ability to take pictures and do site walks and do measurements, yet they have to work on them constantly and change out equipment. So oil and gas facilities, oil and gas companies create these digital twins and metaverse, you know, of a facility so that when they look at training new hires or creating safety plans, you can put on a virtual reality headset and digitally walk through a copy of the real facility. It's not a, it's not just a pretend one. It's an actual copy of the real facility. So if you train on this metaverse digital twin copy of this oil and gas facility, you know, right where wash station is, you know, right where an emergency shutoff valve is, you know, right where, you know, the entrance to the facility is. Now, if you train in that actual digital copy, when you go to the real one, you already know where everything is at. You know, you have to have an accurate, you know, digital twin of the actual facility and able to be trained on it. You know, if you want it to apply to the physical world, that's just one example of you know, then you have Google and you have all these other people who, you know, they want to create digital access to every building, every historic site um, so that people can just digitally start venturing into and visiting those spaces. Yeah, it's going to get very interesting. Absolutely. I think it's really worth it to look into it for any business, even if you haven't done the transition, you know, ahead of time into digital world. Now it's it's like another layer to explore, I think. And it's always good to pioneer. So I really encourage people, you know, that are business owners to look into this topic. 
we do we will cover some more of that topic as well in the next few months i have guests coming to talk about nfts and architecture and stuff like that guys for all of you especially from my net network on linkedin if you guys are watching this you can find all the episodes on saracolo.com forward slash architecture totang or you can go to youtube sarah colata and we have over 50 episodes of this podcast with different guests that joined me last year to talk about interesting topics and Matthew, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your life and your story and business and everything with my audience. The links to find Matthew online are provided already in the description to this podcast, guys. But either way, let's just say it. Matthew, where do people go to find you or connect? Oh, thank you. Yeah, same with you. I, you know, I love connecting on LinkedIn. You can find me just by looking up my name there. And then the two websites for, you know, the two businesses that we do with the Reality Capture Network and Nexus are nexus3d.com. And then the one that we really want to push for building the community is realitycapturenetwork.com. Excellent. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And thanks for joining. And I'll see you all soon. Okay. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Thank you. Architecture Talk Tank has its own frequency. We're not a regular podcast, but we are here for you, always. If you have a suggestion for a guest or have a story that others in this community can benefit from, please contact me via social media or email me directly at me at saracolada.com. To sign up for my newsletter, simply go to the website saracolada.com. I am on Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. You can find me by typing my name, Sarah Colada. Come say hi. I'm always excited when you reach out. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.